0: To another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. So in this mini episode, we wanted to add a movie that we totally forgot about when we were doing teens and vampires, and we felt like this movie's so important that we really just needed to do a separate episode instead of trying to cut it into the previous one.
1: Yeah, we didn't want to leave it behind or
0: tack it into <laughs> the next full episode so we just figured you know what let's just do this now so the movie we're talking we want to talk about is called Lost Boys yeah. from 1987 starring Kiefer Sutherland and honestly aside from Corey Feldman I can't remember any oh no West. Diane West That's yeah, it.
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Also starring Diane West.
1: What about Grandpa Herb? Grandpa
0: Herb, yeah, well, he was uh, Newhart's dad in in, 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 uh, Newhart. Any of you remember that show from the 70s? I can't remember. Do you remember his his name, the actor's name? No,
1: I don't remember.
0: Um, The interesting thing about... Lost Boys, or is it the Lost Boys or Lost Boys?
1: I think maybe there's a the.
0: I think there's a the, the Lost
1: Boys.
0: (laughs) And the interesting thing about it, we talked about the role that teenagers played in the previous films with Salem's Lot and Fright Night particularly. But what's interesting about the Lost Boys is that now instead of the teenager being the one who fights the vampire, the teenagers are the vampires.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, the older teenager. So now there's a split between being older than 15 and younger than 15. And the younger brother and his friends, Corey Feldman being one of them, are pr- probably supposed to be about 14, would you say?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think
0: 14 seems about right, you know, like right in the middle of junior high school.
1: Yeah, and the older brother is supposed to be like 17 or something yeah, like that. Yeah,
0: he's like about to graduate high school. But the point is that if you're 17, 18, 19, pushing 20 then you're more likely to be part of the vampire clan.
1: Yeah, because the whole point is that they're independent, you know, and they're, like, rebellious. And in this movie, being a vampire is basically a stand-in for, you know, like, drugs, partying, racing, all that dangerous stuff that, you know, teens are known for and all that. It's just, like, all the risky behaviors. So that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah,
0: and then don't forget the most important aspect, I think, is its connection to... Not just rock and roll, but heavy metal.
1: Yeah, this is a heavy metal vampires.
0: Yeah, and I think this is the first movie that really, at least the first like full-on commercial mainstream film that connects vampires with rock and roll lifestyle, especially the heavy metal lifestyle. Uh, I know that Anne Rice sort of does that in Lestat in her book.
1: Yeah, apparently, from what I understand, the book Lestat takes place in the 80s, so he's a heavy metal Dude in the book, but in the movie, they set it in the year it was made, which is, like, 2001 or two. so they make it, like, a new metal band. Yeah, that's Queen of, <laughs>
0: Queen of the Dam, right?
1: Yeah, but it's the so, same thing. I know, it's I know, it's the thing. same Yeah,
0: Yeah, they, they basically grandfathered in the Lestat stuff into yeah. Queen of the Dam, but, yeah, I mean, exactly. They could have made it somewhat of a historical piece, setting it maybe 15 years earlier, yeah. Where heavy metal would have been more appropriate, especially like hair metal of like 1987,
1: 88. Yeah, like the Lost Boys ones. Right.
0: But instead they just decided to make it whatever was popular in 2003. Yeah, like
1: Evanescence type yeah, of stuff. You know? Yeah, which is like, okay, whatever.
0: <laughs> I think that's- I'm not going to be judgmental. (laughs) But um, anyway, so the Lost Boys, they, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and the other two guys are, are they, they're they're not actually musicians in a band, are they? No, they don't play
1: instruments. They just ride their dirt bikes around. Right. And they uh, look
0: like they'd be in a metal
1: band. Yeah, they just dress up. They have like teased hair and, you know, they have like, um, you know, they wear like leather and like, Vests and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs>
0: it's, you know, it's of that time. And and it makes total sense to me. Like I said, I mean, if we want to give credit to Anne Rice uh, for connecting the, the nightlife of, you know, a rock star with vampires and how it would be such an easy way to cover up the fact that you're a vampire by just saying well hey and I'm up all night cuz I you know I'm a rock musician. So uh I you know give credit to her but I think Lost Voice is the first movie that the first attempt in a movie to sort of show that and connect that and it's interesting to me how that really stuck. I mean in pop culture probably for the next 20 years there were tons of vampires depicted as more or less you know heavy metal long hair guys, you know. I mean yeah. it wasn't just it didn't just happened in that film and then that was it it sort of became a a motif
1: yeah and it's cool how like um it can be any type of like party scene like we were talking about the hunger you know they're in like the what do you call it the new wave club well they were still called discos
0: in those days because i was there (laughs) Um, what would you say it was Danceteria. i mean Danceteria or or studio 54 in, in new york it's supposed to be in new york city
1: yeah, but and isn't so, that where the vampires party in that movie? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> that's,
0: that's where David Bowie and Catherine Dinar are. And when Peter Murphy's, you know, performing, you know, behind the cage or whatever it is. And um, and that kind of stuff, That was that's that's very, you know, that's the way it was. It's, it's a true depiction of what clubs were like in the mid-70s up until about the mid-80s, we could say. Yeah. You know? I mean, the music changed. It went from being disco, primarily disco, to more of a new wave thing. Uh, but, you know, it was always danceable music. You know, because it's a disco.
1: Okay, I think an interesting part uh, of The Lost Boys, and it relates to vampire movies on a whole, is that I think that after a certain point in vampire movies, the vampires start being, like, very relatable. And it's like, if you, as the fan, want to identify with the vampire, there's, like, no problems with that because they'll be bad vampires and good vampires but at this point in The Lost Boys, the vampires are still just bad. And the whole point of the vampire is that it's like the allure of doing all this risky stuff. But then at a certain point, it becomes too much because they ask the humans to like become killers to be a real vampire.
0: They cross an ethical border. Yeah. You know, uh, they, which is, you know, crossing a line, but of an ethical line. And yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, they're, that's this very important thing when. One is writing a story or, you know, a book or whatever, fiction, that you have to be careful about what your protagonist does because if that protagonist does something that's so unethical that the reader can't stay with it any longer, then they're going to lose interest in the story. And so, like what you said before, it's in Lost Boys it certainly is a metaphor. The teenager's vampirism is definitely a metaphor for just being you know, a partying teenager, whatever, late late teens, early twenties. Yeah. um, You know, having fun but kind of risky fun. Yeah. Finding your freedom and all pushing the envelope. Yeah. Doing probably stupid shit. I mean by the time you're thirty, you'd probably look back and say, Wow, that was kind of stupid. I shouldn't (laughs) have done that.
1: But But everybody does, you know. Right, right? (laughs) exactly. It's just
0: part of growing up. But And that's why that movie's good. That's why that movie I mean, I don't think it's a It's not like an excellent film, but it's certainly a film that needs to be part of the discussion because it is one of the first films that does that with the vampires. It sort of makes those connections. You know, it, like if we compare it to Martin, Martin is antisocial. I mean, yeah. he's not partying with friends. He doesn't have any friends.
1: Yeah, his you know? vampirism makes him isolated. Right,
0: exactly. And in this case, and, and in that film, we're not even sure if he's a vampire. In this film, they're full-on vampires. There's, yeah. no, there's and, no doubt. I mean, they're Martin, floating and doing all kinds of weird <laughs> shit.
1: Yeah, so. and in Martin, even if he is a real vampire, you don't know if there's any more. Like, he could be the only one.
0: Right, so this is this has all of the modern vampire stuff we've been talking about the rules are pretty orthodox
1: yeah they have a whole ceremony to become a vampire that spans over like multiple days
0: yeah and yeah you don't turn into a vampire unlike from dust till dawn and i mentioned that you know one of the rules they had in that movie was that the vampires drain you of blood instantly and then within five minutes you're a vampire (laughs) in this movie it's the slow like put it on the slow burner you know, yeah. you, you drink a certain kind of blood, and then you go through this phase where you're sort of semi—it's actually more like Stoker, like what Mina was going through.
1: Yeah, they uh, become half-vampires.
0: Yeah, you're sort of in that in-between zone where you're connected to the vampires, but you don't quite have all the powers yet.
1: Yeah, or the weaknesses, because right. the real vampires catch on fire in the sun, but the half-vampires just get tired. See,
0: there you go. And see these how these rules, they keep on, you know, you tweak with the rules, you get a different vampire, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, actually to a large degree. Uh, but yeah, the rules are interesting in this film because they're brought to us by Corey Feldman's character, who these kids, they hang out at the comic book shop and they know everything there is to know about vampires and monsters in general. So this isn't a wise old man, although this movie does have the wise old man. And that's part of the twist at the end is that he's the grandfather of the two boys and he, he's like the vampire. Helsing, he's been a yeah. vampire hunter this whole time, but they don't reveal that till the end. But as we're going through the movie, with the, especially with the younger brother, we're getting all of the rules via these 14-year-old kids. And they're playing the role of what Charlie was playing in Fright Night, where no one believed Charlie. These kids aren't taken seriously. That's sort of like the power that the vampires have over them is that, well, no one's going to believe them. They're just kids. Like yeah. ki- kids always say that monsters exist. No one's going to take them seriously. <laughs> but the truth is, is they're actually right. There, there's the scene where uh, the younger brother, when he realizes that his older brother is becoming a vampire, he's like, he's not a vampire yet. He's like a half vampire.
1: Yeah. So he calls <laughs> his
0: friends on the phone and he says, um, my brother's a fucking vampire or whatever <laughs> whatever he says. There's a lot of cursing in this film. And um, and Corey Feldman says, okay, what you got to do is you got to get a steak, a really sharp one, and drive it through his heart. Like, and, and he goes, I can't do that. He's my brother. And like, of course, we, as we're watching the film, we don't want that either because we still think that the older brother is and, redeemable.
1: And the older brother is the main character. Right. So, yeah, yeah. kill him. Well, I
0: don't know. I think the younger brother is the main character. But,
1: yeah, I don't know. But, they, but they yeah, no, share.
0: He, he's an important enough character to where, like, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. You know? But- The funny thing is, is that's where vampire films were in 1987, was that that irony and Almost like that postmodernism was already in these vampire films. Because if you went to Hammer in the 1950s or even in the 1960s, for someone to be suggesting that—that's—that's that's exactly what they should be suggesting. Wait, mm-hmm. he's gonna be, yeah,
1: kill him, you know.
0: <laughs> and we wouldn't have any sympathy for them. Yeah,
1: and it would be—it ser- would be way more serious in right, those movies. Right.
0: Exactly. So it's funny how Corey Feldman's character, even though what he's saying is totally accurate and true, we're sitting here going like, no, no, no. Wait, it just <laughs> like, we're. We're, re- we're responding the same way that the younger brother's responding, which is like, no, I can't do that. He's my brother,
1: yeah. you know?
0: And then, they, and then he says, okay, we'll come over and we'll do it.
1: <laughs> and he's like, no,
0: <laughs> you know? So obviously they're setting it up where they want another outcome, you know, they, that, that that's, in 1987, that's still not acceptable. And that just goes to show how far ahead Romero was with Martin. Martin is of roughly the same age as, as these teenagers
1: and yeah, it just ends one. brutally
0: with him just getting murdered. <laughs> and we don't even know if he was a vampire.
1: I right? know. Well, yeah. So, and then these vampires also get killed in pretty fucked up ways. But it's funny this time. Right. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's almost comical. And,
0: you know, and it's it's meant to be entertaining. And it's it's definitely progressing more and more into becoming an action film. Although these, this movie definitely has a little bit of the horror still in it. I don't know that there's really anything truly scary in the movie. I can't think of any scenes that are really scary.
1: No, nah, there's maybe like a jump scare but that's not that's not horror
0: right so it's <laughs> it's a ready but i think this one if i had to put it in a genre i would say that it's a parody what would you call it? Like a yeah, horror like, comedy?
1: Yeah, family friendly. Yeah, it's like definitely family com- friendly. Even though there's
0: the cursing, it's, it's <laughs> like PG, PG-13 or something. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't call it even a horror comedy. Probably like fantasy comedy or something like that. Yeah.
0: I mean, the targeted audience was probably teens up to about maybe 25 or something. And I, yeah. When I saw it, I was I was in that demographic. I was 22. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I saw it in the theater when it came out. And um, I thought, you know, I didn't feel like I wasted my money. Then again, I didn't feel like it was a masterpiece either.
1: Yeah, just like a casual movie.
0: But I was already getting used to the fact that in those days, in the 80s, there were so many movies like this film and they all kind of had that blend of comedy, lighthearted, jump scares, you know, really good special effects. But at the end of the day, you're like, I was never really scared. I mean, Fright Night is certainly like that. American Werewolf in London is one we haven't talked about, but that one is really that one might have even set the set the tone for a lot of these films. I think a lot of these films were trying to emulate the effectiveness of that film. That film was very effective when it first came out.
1: Yeah, um, the the visual effects really shine.
0: But just the you know one. the way that the that the friend of the main guy, which I can't remember the main guy's name at the moment, but uh, when he gets you know killed by the werewolf and then he comes back as a ghost and there was this whole werewolf rule that you have to roam you know in purgatory
1: and yeah, warn the next that? person
0: who's going to become the werewolf. And <laughs> and, uh, and he keeps on seeing it. So every time he sees his friend, the first time he sees him, it's like he just got attacked. He's, like, all mauled. And, and the special effects are amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. the best part of yeah.
1: America. I mean, I'm not really a fan of that movie, but you got to respect the effects. They're, yeah. like, they're great.
0: I mean, he's all mauled up by that werewolf. You know, parts of his neck are hanging out. And, and then the next time he sees him, it looks like, okay, you know, it's not quite... Fresh wounds anymore.
1: <laughs> it's a little rotted. It's
0: a little rotted. <laughs> and then, like, towards the end of the film, it's almost like he's a talking skeleton. Yeah, he's just, like, like a some flesh zombie yeah, or something. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, and, and it's and it's you know even though it's kind of disgusting, it's. It's certainly meant to be funny, and when yeah. I saw it in the theater, people were laughing. They they took it as like, well, no, that's you know.
1: Yeah, especially because the way the two friends talk to each other, like they're such wise asses, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. They're just always like
0: pushing each other's buttons. Yeah, and stuff, they always yeah.
1: have that kind of like degrading, but like. What should we call it? Like playful, playfully degrading, like a friendship, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that movie certainly set the tone for movies like The Lost Boys. Uh, I think, you know, The Lost Boys is just sort of a vampire version of it in a varying degree. I think uh, it's
1: more kid friendly though. Or more family friendly, I should say. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. I, I would I would agree. I would agree. But and, and certainly American Werewolf in London had uh more jump scares. There's that dream within a dream within a dream sequence. Yeah. It was very effective, <laughs> I thought. I just uh, feel
1: like the werewolf one has more like darker concepts in it.
0: Yeah, it was it was a more serious film. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that none of these films in the 80s for me were, I I didn't walk out of the theater saying, what a great horror film. I walked out of the theater saying, that was fun. That was interesting, you know, but not like, wow, what a great horror film. And I can honestly say that the only movie or the only genre of movies that I think really kept horror going in the 80s, there might've been a ghost film or two. I'd I'd have to stop and think about it, but uh, certainly zombies. I mean, you know, Zombie films were more of the trying to keep horror alive. Yeah. In, in, in this new way, uh, this new mythology that was being created literally like as recently as 1968. Or maybe we could say with Matheson in 54 when he wrote his book. But this is such a new mythology and, it, and it's such a, an American mythology.
1: Yeah. A, a
0: dystopian world with zombies and, and just all of the different things uh, writers can do with it. It's just been you know as we've seen in the last 40 years I mean just think of all of the TV shows and the movies that have come out that are all based on zombies or some sort of zombie-ish creature. Yeah. You know uh, Last of Us is you know
1: yeah, the newest one. Highest <laughs> rated
0: TV show this, this year so far, and it's the same stuff, you know. I know.
1: people love a zombie apocalypse.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> to me, you know, and that's just my opinion, I just feel like the zombie thing really kind of kept horror genre in business uh, through the 80s and 90s. I'd have to stop and think about some other movies that kind of, I know a lot of people who are listening to this are probably screaming, saying, what about slasher films, and We're going to talk about slasher films, but uh, to me, that's a different genre. You know, what about Freddy? What about Jason? Eh, I mean, (laughs) I've got some things to say about that, but we'll save that for another episode. Anyway, we wanted to touch on Lost Boys and just give it its own moment. And so I feel like we accomplished that and um, hope you enjoyed it. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.